I, I say it every time we play your stuff on the show. Even <laughs> I think I even say it when we don't play your stuff. If glass comes up, I'm like glass. Oh, fucking glass. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I it's it always makes me smile. You know, and it's, who said? Um, How'd you like them pair of glasses? Oh, that, that was Steve. That, that fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying to that. I, my God, I couldn't stop laughing. It just, Jesus. I'm here today with. Michael Bradley of Glass, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Tired, but I'm okay. What time is it over there? It is five to midnight. Oh, dude, it's like just, it's almost six o'clock in the evening here. Wow, okay. Well, I know we have such a big time, like there's such a big difference in time zones from here to there, but I always forget. And I'm glad I messaged you when I did, because I was like, oh, I got all evening, but I forget that like... It's the middle of the night over there already. Well, it's okay. I'm normally up this late anyway. It's probably better this time, to be honest. Okay, what uh, what part of the world are you from? Where are you at? I'm from England, as you can probably tell by this accent. And uh, it's I'm from a real small, weird village called Wessam. It's, uh, it's literally just a road. It, I'm not making this up. You can check it on Google Maps. It's, it's like a road, and then you go into Kirkham, which is a town. And... Uh, that's where I'm from. Like your village is along this road? Yeah, it's pretty much a road. You can drive through it in about a minute. Nice. At about 30 miles an hour. So Right now I'm in a city, but I'm kind of from the rural parts of the middle of America. So I'm used to like the small, not even towns, like you said, villages. Yeah. All right. Do you recall the first genre or band that you considered yourself to be a fan of? Or just the first music you noticed, you were like, "Hey, that's cool." Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's not um, really conventional with me. It's when I was growing up, I uh, I really uh, I listened to classical music a lot. That's pretty much all I listened to till I was about fourteen. It was uh, and when I had always recall people like family asking, "So, what bands are you into?" and things like that, and I'd just blank face them. I didn't know. I was like, um, everything, I'd just say that. But really it was uh, classical music because I was pretty heavy on the piano back then. You know, and, and I think it was main, mainly because uh, I like darker stuff. You, know, you can probably tell that. Um, and in the mainstream, I didn't really have the internet then. It was, uh, there's not much going on that really appeals to me in that way. So... Uh, anyway, when I got to about 14, I had a friend at school and he uh, introduced me to Nightwish, which you probably know, it's that symphonic rock band. And uh, that was kind of like bridging the gap between this uh, classical thing and rock, which was my first taste of it, really. And uh, so, yeah, I got, I got a bit obsessed with those. Then I found Marilyn Manson, um, a friend from years ago, school friend he was listening to like uh, the beautiful people and i i don't know i kind of like i was like no this is this is rubbish i don't like this like um being all high and mighty because i've been listening to nightwish and stuff like that and i don't know something twinged in me it was very very uh different you know because you know you've 
heard Manson. He's not exactly conventional. So that was good. I listened to that for ages, got a bit hooked on that. And then finally, of course, um, a good friend of mine introduced me to Nine Inch Nails. And uh, wow, <laughs> things changed from there on, like in my music taste and things like that. I started to explore so many different things. It's kind of interesting because you can definitely see where the bridge is in your, in your musical influences. From that to yeah. Manson and then naturally to Nine Inch Nails, which it opens up a lot of genres i guess but just influences no i totally get that it's uh it really having all those things i've listened to for a long time i really i can see it you know often when i write music it's kind of subconscious but like i do see you know i'm pulling elements from different places and trying not to rip them off but you know <laughs> that's how it is uh you've mentioned your um your like piano background yeah when did you start playing? Oh, I've, I can't remember when I started playing. It was very early. It was, I always had an interest. I think um, the thing that sped it off when I was a kid was just the uh, mechanical thing of actually pressing keys and sound coming out. Very fascinating. You know, I used to watch people from my school uh, play fucking Christian hymns because I went to a horrible Christian school. And uh, all I used to do was just stare at the woman playing the piano. So... You know, we talked about it with my dad and my granddad. He he was uh, he's big on the music. Nobody else is in in my family. So he got me this little tiny keyboard thing. Started to play that, and really, just going back to you asking when I started to create, um, it was really me just playing other stuff for ages. I used to like throw melodies together and things like that. Just nothing. I never really thought of it as like being a composer or anything like that. It was just, um, I got enjoyment of, out of playing the music more than I did from listening to it at that stage, you know, until I found these amazing other bands. <laughs> so about what age would you say you became interested in creating music? It was about when I started to really actually put songs together. It was, it was about 15. Um, I downloaded Sibelius, which is like um, a classical like just a notation scoring thing. But um, yeah, I did that and I played around. I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like the, the way it was very, very rigid, you know, to, you know, you crutches and quavers and things like that. And obviously that's important in music, but it didn't work with me like that. So anyway, and then I went there to study uh, music technology at a, at a college locally. Um, it didn't work out, <laughs> but <laughs> But I did gain um, the knowledge of a few programs like uh, DAWs, you know, like Reason and Ableton and uh, stuff like that. So I managed to uh, get a hold of those and uh, just started making just anything, really. I just, I, I don't even know what I started to make at the beginning. It was kind of like weird electronic. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what I made. It, it was really terrible, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so I did that for a while. Now, have you been involved in any, uh, like bands or is it pretty much always just been a solo thing? Uh, yeah, this is, this is where my faults start to show. Like, um, I did, I did what pretty much nearly every teenager, you know, involved in music did was join bands with friends and, and stuff like that. And obviously you know, most of them don't go anywhere cause they're just a bunch of guys messing around in a room, you know? And we've got the whole, we'll play covers or whatever, you know, and stuff this and never really, it's never serious, you know, well, it wasn't for me anyway. 
I kind of fell into just working on my own because the people I met, like from college and the people I met around me, you know, apart from a few people, of course, but the majority of people, like acquaintances and stuff, they all had like, I want to do metal music. I want to do, you know, I want to do indie music. I want to do this. I want to do that. I didn't know it at the time, but that was, I didn't like that. It was, um, it was too pigeonholed, if you get what I mean. It was like, I have to do this, you know? And I was like, well, okay, I, I kind of like this, but what if I want to throw in a synth or I don't know, something like that. I want to change something. You know, we can't really do that because we're going to have to build an audience surrounded by this genre. So yeah, it didn't, it, it worked better when I maintained full control. And that sounds a bit of a problem, but it, it works better that way for me. <laughs> I understand how it that kind of does it kind of is an issue because I'm the exact same way. It's kind of a control freak issue. But <laughs> it just it just goes smoother when you don't have to fight other people for do making a different sound, you know? It's, it's yeah, that's damn true. I mean I can't I can't really think like I can't think how I'd react right now if um say another person joined Glass on the on the music side and was like you know, let's right. We're doing this and we're doing that. I, I think I would. I think I'd have a, a meltdown or something. I don't think I'd be able to cope. <laughs> you know? But um, yeah, but I'm. I don't know. It hasn't happened. So right now, I think I'm comfortable in just uh, doing everything myself. You know, on the composing side, anyway. Sure. All right, Michael. You got some songs for us to play. What do you got? I do. The first song is. <clears throat> it's the first track on Introvert, but it's uh, the demo version. Uh, this was wrote shortly after Slamming Doors, so it kind of still has that kind of uh, uh, dark and quite harsh theme to it, especially in the synths. Um, but it's changed quite a lot now for Introvert. Um, but I still thought this uh, stands upon its own, so uh, hope you enjoy. There's no Why you left alone and nobody? 
is glass the uh that's obviously your primary project right now is that the only project you're involved in uh yeah pretty much i haven't really done anything else i've done obviously uh, through emg and things on uh on nineinchnails.com I did remixes for people and there was talk of collaborations but they never really hit off you know on specific tracks anyway um never really found anyone who uh really is musically involved in that way you know I've got friends and stuff but they all do their own separate things and so yeah not really uh how did you come about the title of glass <laughs> right okay there's two explanations to this there's um you can have like the, I don't know, I don't know how to say this without sounding cheap. Um, you can have the um, the meta explanation, or you can have just the the real explanation <laughs> as to why it is. So, which one would you like? <laughs> Either both explanations or the real explanation. Okay, well, we'll go with meta then first, if I'm going to do both. Um, glass is an interesting material. It's um, it can be strong, soft, you know, brittle. It can support things you know it can support a lot of weight and it can be see-through or it can be opaque it can also be one-sided opaque so that's kind of like a hippie metaphor for what the whole message is about and then the real explanation is that um me and a good friend of mine were sat in my room and uh lots of glasses around and trying to think of a name for this project and he just said when you call it glass and it kind of just stuck both both to me seem valid as a real explanation i mean everybody when you're talking about like how an idea hits you most of the time the ideas seem kind of like come from a such a like surface uh place but really then you take that idea and you put meaning behind it so yeah both seems valid man a lot of people like your name by by the way i know i've talked to at least drazen for sure who's like man i wish i had to come up with that first one of those <laughs> well that's that's nice well i always think it's uh sounds a bit short but i don't know i like i do like it you know i wouldn't be using it if i didn't okay and let me see here how would you describe your music to someone who has never heard it before um it would be <sighs> what i know well, what i normally say to people is it, it's powerful melodic i have um a trouble in really putting a genre on it is is difficult, but I would say if you like heavy melody with a lot of powerful sounds, then that's glass. Especially with music like yours, it it's you usually retain you do have a signature sound, but like you said, you, there's a lot of different stuff you like to do, so it does vary quite a bit, and it's usually it's usually really hard to peg a name well on a lot of music, but especially something like glass. It's it's a risk, I guess. Like if I if I want to, you know, take this to a a big thing, you know, which is obviously a risk in itself. But also, this is more of a risk, seen as uh, I've got to try and find an, a niche um, segment of people who um, can really be open to many different things. You know, I try and like with the diff with the albums that I've done in the past and like the upcoming one, like I try and give it a, a kind of sound, you know, like a, a theme and. Uh, you know, it's going to be light or it's going to be dark or whatever. But still, it, it, I struggle to really write 10 tracks that are all in the same kind of genre, you know, same instruments, same sounds and things like that. It'd be very difficult for me to do that. 
All right. What title would you give yourself in regards to being a uh, musician? Would you consider yourself a producer, composer? I would say amateur producer because I, I'm terrible at like the engineering side and mixing. It's, it's the hardest thing for me to do. I absolutely hate it. I think I flow well with uh, writing the music. That's really easy. Like it's just getting it all together in Ableton and getting it together. You know, it's just a nightmare. This kind of ties into that. What is your favorite part of the entire process? Yeah, like I just said, it's definitely the writing. And the favorite uh, moment is when you know I've got this complete song and. I can listen to it through Ableton, and it might sound like shit in in the technical aspects. Like it might sound really crap, like, but um, the feeling that I've got this song and I really like it, and you know, this it's it's fitting together well, it's flowing. That's good. And the part I absolutely detest the afterwards trying to make it sound worthy for other people to listen to. All right, would you feel that those uh, kind of reflect your strengths and uh, weaknesses in the? in the writing process? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know what it is, but I have a low threshold for tolerance when it comes um, to this. Like, I can get mad quickly when, when things aren't going the way they should do when uh, I'm trying to mix. Like, uh, I got some synthesizer that's just making some awful no noise in the low end and I can't hear it and it's just messing things up and I don't know why. And then I realize and then I take that out and then I've overcompensated in other places and I've got to go back and do all that. I just, it's like I don't have a starting point in what to fix first. And it seems like whenever I fix things, I make more problems. Oh, yeah. I would agree with that. The mixing aspect, EQing everything, getting everything balanced is definitely, uh, at least I find as well, the, the most, the trickiest part. Yeah. I wish I had a record company that could just do that for me. <laughs> you know, yeah. just have someone in there, an engineer could tell me where I'm going wrong, but oh well. All right, and you have a second track for us today. What is that? Okay, this, uh, this track was wrote right at the beginning of starting. I didn't know it was going to be called Introvert at the time. Like I knew I was going to put something together, and I wrote this track. There was supposed to be vocals on this track, but um, I never got around to doing it, and I now don't think that it's, it would fit. It's uh, called No Control. And it's uh, kind of light and ethereal.
Uh, what kind of software do you use? Uh, well, I used to use Reason and uh, Ableton together. I used to like write everything in Reason and then rewire it to Ableton because um, I was being afraid of VSTs. I was like, oh, I don't like it. I like to use this package. But then I, over slamming doors and, um, and now up to this, I've just completely abandoned Reason. It, it's too thin, in my opinion. You know, that's no offense to anyone who can get it working. Like, but for me, like in what I was doing, it, everything was just far too thin. I couldn't get this uh, it, too mono as well. Like I couldn't get this stereo effect that I really wanted, and like some of this stuff. So we moved everything over to Ableton. I use um, I use Massive. Um, I use FM8, uh, Symphobia as well, which is which is great. Like if you want strings and stuff like that, orchestral kind of thing, it's amazing. And uh, yeah, I do rewire. Uh, sorry for reason when I'm using pianos because there's a great um, patch called uh, Reason Pianos and uh, I use that for when I'm doing MIDI stuff on the piano, it's just amazing so that's what I use Alright, and how about uh, hardware? Um, I, <laughs> it's pretty uh, not much really, I use uh, this which is a Shure SM58 I used to use a, a, a condenser Samson C01 I don't know, it just didn't, it didn't get the sound I wanted like uh, I don't know what it was, but it just didn't get it right. And uh, for my audio interface, I use a uh, M Audio Fast Track Pro. I used to use a uh, a mobile pre USB, which was only sixteen bit and forty four point one k, which you know I thought was fine. But when I switched to forty eight k, it's amazing how much difference it is. You know, it's shocking. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Are you on twenty four bit forty eight k? Yes. Yes. Um, I wasn't always like you. Uh, before, like you, like you said, my older stuff was always sixteen bit. Um, probably forty four, but uh, within the last, oh, I guess maybe it was over a year ago, finally upgraded to some USB audio interfaces that would handle the uh, the twenty four bit. And actually, I'm kind of excited to record some stuff in for an album. When I do these like podcasts and stuff, I kind of still keep it low just because everything's going to get downgraded to mp3 anyway. But I'm kind of excited because I believe this Tascam will record 2496, 24-bit 96k. Nice. Yeah, so I'm kind of excited to hear how that sounds. It is good. 24-bit is uh, you know, just essential. Like I didn't realize how much uh, it was needed, especially just mixing. It gives you so much more headroom. It gets, a lot, it gets rid of a lot of that hiss when you turn everything down too quiet. What drives you to create music? Emotion. That's what it is. It's all about, you know, channeling emotion. It sounds a bit hippie when I say it out loud, but, but that's what it is. It's just, there's nothing else that drives me apart from just either feeling shitty or feeling, or feeling good, you know, and then I just put all that into making music. You know, I, I, I couldn't do it for anything else. If someone just said to me, go write this track for this, then I don't think I'd be able to do it. I think it would be very difficult for me to... I'd probably be able to put something together because obviously you learn skills when you make music, like how to arrange and stuff, but I don't think it'd be any good. I think it'd just be a mess. What or who do you feel has the most influence on your music? Uh, uh, it used... Definitely used to be. I, I mean, it still is. It, it, Nine Inch Nails, of course. Like, 
I don't know what happened when I started to listen to that music. It was uh, it was very changing, you know. And uh, some of my earlier earlier stuff is uh, you know very heavily influenced by that, but in in a less heavy way, kind of. Um, I think it's mainly his use of like uh, odd chord sequences and and you know different time structures and stuff like that, which was you know inspiring. You know, it was very very it's very different. And I, I really like that. So, but now, like, I'm finding that a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things like, uh, it's very generic, but like the Beatles and uh, and people like Mark Bolan, and uh, and there's also this French band called Air. I don't know if you've heard of them, but um, all all of them they really inspire my music. They really do. No, this is kind of jumping back. This is just kind of something that popped in my head, but. And this is not something I'm going to ask a lot of people because a lot of people are definitely self-taught, don't have a lot of music background before they actually started doing it themselves. With your classical background and being able to, and playing piano since you were all young, do you feel that has had a big influence on your writing skills? I mean, I'm assuming it makes it a little easier, but like, was there a lot of information basically is what I'm asking that was kind of already there when you set to start writing your own music or did you find you were still learning, like discovering chord progressions and stuff like that on your own um i think like obviously it, it helped a hell of a lot like because i already had an instrument that i was quite you know proficient in and i could just do that I've, i was just always discovering chord sequences because i'd never really put something together um like in standard st song structures you know like where it's you know verse chorus verse chorus and, and kind of things like that it's always been like classical music where it's just all over the place yeah, so I was always I was always learning as I was writing stuff like how to fit songs together and new chord sequences and things like that. But I think um, learning the piano and doing like that just just took a, a big chunk of the learning curve away because I already knew how to input MIDI information and it stopped me having to like sequence, you know, like on, with the mouse and things like that on a on a MIDI note. Um, what's it called? MIDI grid or something like that. Uh, it stopped. To do that, so it, it that did help, yeah. And I think subconsciously, like uh, I did gain some knowledge from listening to all that music and playing all these pieces and and shit like that. That I think it did help in uh, giving me some sort of information as to how songs are structured and uh, where where chords should lead to. You know, like where should it fall back or should it go rest on a minor or something like that. You know. Like I said, there's a lot of times, uh, especially a lot of us in the group, don't come from a background like that. So it was, I just had to ask. It was interesting to talk to somebody who actually did have more of a classical background. Okay, to continue on my kind of pre-written path of questions here. Um, are you inspired by non-music sources? And if so, uh, what are they? I am. It's, um, I'm more inspired, and this is going to sound fucking weird, but like I'm more inspired by like... Uh, like when I watch a movie or something like that, and I there's like a a great scene in the movie, and it kind of gives me like a uh, I don't know, it gives me a rush. It gives me a rush when I, I watch it. Like this is this is amazing. It gives me like a and like a tingle everywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, yeah, it's like when that happens, like it gives me some inspiration to write maybe a piece of music that it would be good for that scene like so 
I don't know, for example, um, have you ever seen Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino? Yes. Um, the end scene uh, where um, uh, so Shana, she uh, she gets shot by that guy who she thinks she's just killed and it fucking sprays everywhere. Like the, I think it's petals or something. They spray everywhere and, and shit like that. And there's that awesome music building up and you know, just just the idea that she uh, she managed to complete what she did. Like she managed to kill the Nazis and shit, but uh, never really got to see it. That kind of inspires me to write music that would fit in that scene. Yeah, that's kind of great because they do. They kill her off, but as a viewer, you still kind of get a feeling that she. I mean, obviously, you know, she doesn't. She she doesn't. She's not around to to see her plan completed. But he does the whole like. What does he call it? Revenge of the Giant Face or whatever. He does that whole <laughs> sequence with a projector, which is just sweet. So she's still there to like wreak havoc. It's amazing. I I was so engrossed in that film watching in the cinema. My God. Oh, it's good. Uh, it's amazing. What is your ultimate goal, if you have one, in creating music? What would you like to accomplish? Um. Well, you know, I think... I think anyone who makes music, even if they say they don't want to, like they they probably do, would like to be famous and you know to the point where p- thousands of people are appreciating something you've made. You know, I mean, it'd be a great feeling. You know, um, but I think realistically, um, my ultimate goal would be just to be able to make um, I don't know money that that could support me, and but also not not make it just because I'm pumping out music that uh, I'm. A whole load of people are going to like because it's a certain type of music. If I can make something that is personal to me and it's how I want to make it, and people appreciate that enough, you know, to spend money on it, you know, in the future, um, for me to support myself, and that that would be my ultimate goal. But you know, it's not a, it's not something that's that important, you know, to make music from from the money. It's what's more important to me is just to have people to enjoy it. I think that's uh, way more important. More new on herd glass. What's the third track? It's uh, called Personality. This was originally up until like last week going to be on Introvert, but after tracking it and like listening to it obsessively, it it just didn't fit. But I still really like this song. It's very, uh, it's it's kind of heavy, but it's also quite a squash sound. It often reminds me of like it should be coming out of like an old game console or something. Um, you know, not that it belongs in a game. Anyway, it's about um, pretty much having your own identity and uh, what comes with that when you have a strong identity. It's, uh, you know, it's difficult to ask for help. And when you can't figure things out on your own, on your own then uh, you often find conflict inside.
question is the one I've been thinking about cutting or at least altering, but I'll just go ahead and read the question as I have it. Because it usually, like, it's not necessarily relevant anymore, but it usually gets an uh, interesting answer from people. What do you think of the ever-changing landscape for the music industry and music distribution in the digital age, and how does it affect you? Well... <sighs> The music industry is pretty fucked, if, if we're honest. Like, it really is. It's a mess right now. I mean, I look at it and I just see things, you know, like um, just <laughs> the way music sold. You know, it's 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 crazy. Like, it's uh, it's now pretty much just um, do you find the person attractive? Okay, mass sell it. You know, like that's what it is and kind of just ignore the music side like, uh, I think that's the only way you're really gonna be able to sell CDs and things like that um, on a mass scale anyway I think you need a massive massive following to do that and uh, so online pretty much all the way at the moment for indie artists and stuff because you know it's it's hard enough to get people to visit your site and uh, actually listen to, to your music so to get them to actually buy something and get a CD and then rip it and then, you know, and, and take that with them and, and whatever, you know, it's just, you may as well not do it. Yeah, I don't mean to offend anyone there because that's, that's not my intention. It's just, uh, just my opinion, that's all. It's something that I think right now, if, you, if you're in a position like I am in where I haven't got any sort of following whatsoever, it's, there's no point. I think, I think you should just stick to online distribution. And give it away for free. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think unless you are, 
this is this is tough because like it's really just a personal opinion but i think unless you're doing it like professionally and uh and it's something that um comes with substance as in like uh like i've just kind of contradicted myself but if you are selling cds then of course you buy cds because it's a physical thing and if you're doing live shows you obviously but you you pay to that but for an album or an ep that's online um if uh, people aren't really you know you don't have a mass following then charging for it i think could probably work negatively against you gaining that kind of following because music is about you know, having a status as well, you know. So, like, if uh, if Nine Inch Nails said tomorrow, re- releasing an album, it's going to be £5 <laughs> or $10 or whatever, and and buy it now, and we'll release it tomorrow, and we'll send you it in an email or whatever. You know, loads of people would buy it, but if uh, if someone else did that who wasn't such a, a big following, I don't think anyone would do it until they heard it. And then I think it'd be rare for people to do it afterwards anyway. Unless you've got personal involvement with the people who actually made the music, because that obviously helps getting to know the person. You, you want to give them money and stuff. But just random people who just find your site by accident and then listen to like 30 seconds of the first track, they're, not, they're probably not going to spend five pounds on it or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm sounding a bit harsh there, but that's just my opinion. No, yeah, that makes sense. Well, it comes down to, you know, it's been said a thousand times, but with the internet and the way things are set up now it's interesting because it gives everyone a chance to put their stuff out there it gives everyone a voice but then you're fighting against everyone you there's millions of voices out there all screaming at the same time you know how are you going to separate years from all that but i think you do have a point with you know charging for your music at least charging a lot when you don't really have a following how it could work against you you know that's what I mean. It's not. It, it isn't. Like, it's not me being some sort of like I don't know what's the word like some sort of crazy like person socialist or something who's like just everything for free, give it for free. You know, it's just it's. I understand it's 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 a work of art. You know, you've made and you have a right if you want to charge to it. Just about building your following, you know, and building a thing like that. And people react better to it if it's free, especially in this economy. Anyway. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, um, if you could collaborate with any other musician in the world, who would it be and in what capacity? And I'm going to go ahead and include like anyone living or dead, even though that probably doesn't make it an easier question to answer. Uh, it'd be pretty generic, but um, probably John Lennon, and uh, I'd probably just sit in the corner and watch because uh, <laughs> he's... <laughs> I, I don't know what I would do to further John Lennon's music. If I, had, I probably couldn't do anything. So, yeah, it would, it would be John Lennon, and I'd do anything he asked. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on the flip side of that, is there any musician that you would absolutely hate to have to collaborate with, and what would you have them do if you were forced into a collaboration? Yeah, um, Katy Perry. She burns... She, she makes my blood like boil when I just see her. She annoys the hell out of me. She she's got no talent. She can't sing live, and she doesn't do anything in the studio. Let's face it. No matter what they say on the album credits, you know, written by whatever, she didn't do it. it, it the, the songs are awful. They're just no, nonsense songs. And that fucking "I Kissed a Girl" was just such an obvious like ploy just to just to get into that whole um, 
you know, it applies to everybody. It just it applies to absolutely everybody, that song. It's like, it's the whole, you know, obviously I'm not against like, um, you know, lesbian, gay, anything like that. It's just, it's, uh, you know, it applies to lesbians. It also applies to men, you know, because it's that kind of like, it's, it's quirky. It applies to old people because it's like, you know, it's kind of harping back to like, it's quite innocent in what it says. It's not really, uh, it's not too foul. You know, I'm talking on like a general aspect here. You know, I'm not just saying everyone, every old person would like this. Every every lesbian would like this, or someone like that. You know, I'm just saying on on a general a demographic. You know, this is it applies to everyone, and it's so sellable, it's unbelievable. It's um, and yeah, she just winds me up. I saw her on TV like uh, like last year, and she was singing that fireworks song, and just my god, just <laughs> it was absolutely awful. I just lose faith in humanity when I see people screaming, you know, cheering for her. But yeah, if, if I had to work with her and she could bang a triangle or something, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Off the top of your head, without having to put too much thought into it, what are a few of your favorite albums? The Downward Spiral, Moon Safari by Air, um, Probably Low by David Bowie. Um, oh, this is... <laughs> I've hit a wall. Um, the Love album, which is just like a uh, like a compilation album of mashed up Beatles songs that um, a guy did, and I forget his name, and that's that's embarrassing. But yeah, uh, that album is great, and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club, Lonely Hearts Club Band is amazing as well. There's just a few off the top of my head. So <laughs> that's good. Well, I know that's kind of a difficult question to answer off the top of your head, but I think that also kind of forces. Uh, some more interesting it kind of forces some more interesting questions out because you're forced to just kind of like grasp the first thing that comes to mind you know yeah all right guilty pleasure name an artist that you absolutely love but are embarrassed of uh, you know embarrassed to have people hear you listening to it god this is where credibility hits the rock bottom um yeah. the culture club <laughs> 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 Arm of Chameleon, that that song, I I don't know why I like that song. I know I should hate that song, but I don't know. It's just very, very catchy. And and also, um, oh God, uh, uh, You Spin Me Right Round by uh, Dead or Alive. It's a, that's a fucking, it's a very uh, overplayed song. But yeah, I like it, so... It's a guilty pleasure, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right. What have you been listening to lately? Uh, lately? Uh, a lot of Radiohead lately. Um, uh, uh, a good friend of mine, he in introduced me. Like I, I already knew who Radiohead were in a way, like, um, but I never really listened to them properly. And So I've been listening to the album um, uh, Hail to the Thief, which is uh, seriously good. The song Backdrifts on that album is just hypnotic it's amazing i seriously recommend you listen to it because it's wow you know that the whole album and pretty much everything that i've listened to that they've been doing has just blown me away it's absolutely amazing so i've pretty much been spamming radiohead <clears throat> as of late so and that's pretty much it i often do that i often tend to just listen to one artist like obsessively it's it's a bit of a problem like and i go through phases of different artists you know and uh big chunks of listening it's, it's kind of good i kind of do that too i'll get on just one kick and do that for 
listen to that for a long time and then it's off of that to something totally different i think it's interesting i think it's uh i don't know gives you a different feeling you know and for a month or so <laughs> what's the next track from glass okay this track is pretty heavily inspired by radiohead as i said uh you know i'm i'm been listening to that quite a lot uh yeah so it's pretty inspired by radiohead and lyrics and uh, probably the chord sequence so but it's meaningful it's uh it means a lot for me it's about being deflated and there's a certain event in my life that happened a few months ago that uh really left me feeling deflated i'm a floating balloon questions outside of music what else do you like to do hobbies other arts stuff like that well i uh i game you know i, I do I, <laughs> i'm a big nerd i play uh i play online mmos and world of warcraft and things like that which you know i said i wouldn't mention this but i do anyway <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I and then in my spare time, I'm currently looking for work. Soon as there's just nothing around here, and I got some things. I got some commitment. Uh, I got some commitments in the family to take care of. Um, but in in my spare time, I volunteer at a uh, a local charity called the Samaritans. Uh, people think that's like a Christian thing. It's it's not. It's um, I don't know. Do you, do you know what the Samaritans is? I um, not really. It's like a um, it's it's a helpline. Basically, I just sit on a phone, and people who are in like a, a depressed state or in a suicidal state, they call, and then we're there to give someone to talk to. You know, we we just. We're just like an ear for people to basically. We don't give advice because, um, you know, we're obviously not qualified to do that, and we can't be liable. But um, I do that. Yeah, it gives me uh, something to do and something to kind of contribute back to people because uh, you know, there's a lot of depressed people out there. They're very nice. I know you don't do it to get a pat on the back, but there you go, pat on the back. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you mentioned you mentioned Warcraft and stuff. Um, TV shows, music, movies, games. Uh, what's your geekiest interest, and what do you fanboy over? Um, anything sci-fi, and I'm probably going to get loads of Star Trek fans, like if they hear this, having a go because I'm about to call Star Wars sci-fi when it's fantasy, space, whatever, space opera. But I love Star Wars; it's amazing. Um, except the prequels, we won't talk about those. And the uh, the game series Mass Effect, like uh, uh, space, and it's all. You know, epic. Got to stop the Reapers, kind of thing. It's, uh, I just love it. I I geek over that so much. It's unbelievable. Old movies like Back to the Future, which is just amazing. I I can't get enough of that. Um, yeah, just pre- pretty much anything sci-fi. I love two thousand one, and uh, there's a movie again. <laughs> my friend introduced me to. He seems to introduce me to everything. But like um, uh, Sunshine, it was called. I really enjoyed that when I watched oh. it. I haven't seen that yet. That's a Danny Boyle movie, right? I, I want to see that. I've heard good things. It's seriously good. Oh, I was going to say, that's always... When somebody says they're a Star Wars fan, that's always my first my first thought, the first question I want to ask. <laughs> because in general, in general, the prequels don't get a lot of love. <laughs> they are. Nobody can say they're good. Come on. And just yeah. trash. <laughs> Even as a kid, I was bored watching episode one. I mean, that's... That's impressive of George Lucas to bore, a, bore an 11-year-old. Boring crap just sitting around. Everyone's sitting or standing or looking out of a window. That's all it is. <laughs> it's true. Nothing happens for, for ages, and then they go to a desert planet, and then nothing happens again. And then 30 seconds of some dusty lightsaber fight, and then another 40 minutes of nothing. And then we finally get some crazy ending sequence with about four different storylines going on my god and one final track from you today what what's the song <laughs> <laughs> okay this is called debut which uh you know don't mean to insult anyone's intelligence but it's french for beginning um features some uh, french vocals in the middle so uh, that's good accompanied by some insane screaming around the sides uh Woke up feeling angry and decided to uh, abuse the microphone.
And you have some, you have, you have a special treat for our listeners. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, I have, um, if you enjoy these tracks that you've been hearing, you can uh, download them. They'll be on either the EMG uh, main forum site or on the EMG uh, blogspot, the EMG radio blogspot. And they'll be available to download for free in MP3. That's awesome. What is your, what is next for you? Next, uh, I got um, Introvert coming out in like December, I think. You know, it will be out this year. Like, I'm not going to carry it on into next year. It's it's ridiculous. You know, I'm I'm just being a bit of a perfectionist with it at the moment. But I really haven't had enough time recently to work on it properly. So, yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna spend a bit longer on that, and then that'll be out. So it'll be Introvert, and then after that. Uh, I don't know. You're gonna, you know, but I'm always like this after to doing like a body of work. I, I don't know where the fuck to go. So I'm sure something will come up. I'll start writing about something, but I'll probably will like take take a bit of a break and just do like, you know, EMG related things or remixes for people and things like that. Because I always have a lot of fun doing that. All right, and where can people find your music? Pimp your stuff. <laughs> well, you can. Uh, there's a few. There's there's three places you can go to. Uh, glass.bandcamp.com where you can find all my like main releases and stuff like you know my albums and any EPs that I put up there you know you find it for free um, 
Or you can go to SoundCloud um, forward slash Xeniast, which is X-E-N-I-A-S-T. Uh, that's where I like just throw up all my like demos and and just shit that's just like a one-off and just stuff that I've been like fucking around with, and I just put it up there if I feel like it's good enough. And you can you can normally download those, but sometimes I get a bit lazy and forget to check the download box. I should really go do that. But yeah, so they're there, there, and uh, of course the Facebook page, uh, which is just uh, facebook.com forward slash glassband. Um, you can check out the Bandcamp there because there's like an, a music tab. But that's where you can see any updates. And also, if you want to be on the mailing list, which isn't regular and not going to fill your mailbox with spam or anything, but I do like uh, mailbox uh, updates and things like that. So just uh, like the Glass page and drop me a message and uh, I'll add you to that. Or just uh, download uh, any of the albums on Bandcamp and it'll ask you for your email address and you'll be automatically on there well thanks dude thanks for doing the interview with us no problem thanks for having me it's great it's it's been really fun gonna do a part one and part two <laughs> dude i might you know i might do like the regular interview and then like a lot of that conversation we had about music like some yeah. of that stuff was pretty good and i of course i'll cut some of the stuff that you know you would want me to cut but yeah. if it's long enough i might do like yeah it'd be like like i said earlier like a conversation with michael bradley well well <laughs> we've been talking since you reset the call after the interview for an hour and a half uh, an hour and six so yeah it was probably yep. 50 so yeah why not <laughs> a conversation with michael bradley <laughs> yeah i'll have to have you do i'll have you <laughs> do do that do like an intro like you're listening to a conversation with michael bradley do it all like elegantly <laughs> you need to play uh fucking vivaldi spring from the four exactly seasons. dude you got you got you got what i'm going for that's perfect <laughs> You should totally do that, honestly. It'd be fucking funny. Like, 